If you have your Bibles today, I'd like you to turn to me, if you would, to Luke chapter 2. Today, as we begin this Advent season, we are focusing our thoughts on this table and the fact that Jesus Christ came to die. It was powerfully expressed by a Jewish priest named Simeon, who was one of the first outside of Jesus' parents to see this infant God who had come to be the Savior of the world. Here's how Luke tells the story, beginning in chapter 2, verse 21. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Let's pray for a moment. Father, everything about the incarnation is miraculous. God coming in human flesh to be the savior of the world. As we enter this Advent season, as we gather at this table of communion, as we break this bread and drink this cup, I hope you'll be honored that we're remembering you in the way that you asked and that through this remembrance we can bring glory to God and spread your glory and your gospel to the nations of the world. We thank you, God, for this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. It's one of life's basic questions. Most people are asking it. Many are on a quest to find its answer. And it's simple as this, why was I born? Why am I here? It's a question I get asked quite a bit. Sometimes when I'm talking to people about this, I've heard them say things like, I was born to be an artist, I was born to be a homemaker, I was born to be a scientist, I was born to be a doctor, I was born to be a ball player, I was born to be a whatever, but most people don't talk that way. Most generally wonder what their purpose is, why they were born and how they make sense out of these brief years of life on earth. Jesus never had to wonder that. He never had to wonder why he was born. He knew from eternity past that he had been born to die. And communion reminds us that he knew that. In fact, the Apostle Paul told the Corinthians, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus had revealed to Paul that when you eat this meal, you proclaim the Lord's death. Jesus knew he was born to die. Christmas is the celebration that the eternal God has come to earth in human flesh. You remember how John opened up the glory of his gospel in John chapter 1, verse 1? 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. It's at Christmas time in particular that we remember not only His birth, but the reason for His birth. Jesus came primarily to glorify God. I've glorified you by the work you've given me to do. He came to redeem mankind. He came to offer his life as a ransom. God always knew, and Jesus knew, that the manger would stand in the shadow of the cross. Communion reminds us that Jesus was born to die. And why did Jesus come to die? He died to save the world from sin. That's why Luke wrote in verse 28, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. I was reading a piece by a pastor named Clifford Stewart of Louisville, Kentucky, in a message. He was talking about how he sent a microwave oven as a Christmas gift to his elderly parents. They were excited that now they too could be a part of the instant generation. He said, when dad unpacked the microwave and plugged it in, literally within seconds, the microwave transformed two smiles into frowns. Even after reading the directions, they couldn't make it work. You're laughing, but that was my experience as well. Anyway, <laughs> two days later, my mother was playing bridge with a friend and confessed her inability to get the microwave oven even to boil water. To get this thing to work, she said, I don't need better directions. I need my son to come along and show me how to use this. You know, when I read that story, I thought, that's what God did for us. He didn't just send us a set of instructions. He sent his son to help us understand and to be a sacrifice. For centuries, God had given his word. He had sent his instructions, his holy law, his commands. But still, people fell deeper into sin. Because the Bible tells us the laws of God were never meant to save us. They were to make us aware. They were to teach us. To make us aware of our sin and our need for a Savior. Do you remember when the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 1 verse 1, God spoke in the past, but now he spoke through his Son? In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son whom he has appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Jesus is God in human flesh, given by God the Father to save us from our sins and give us the gift of eternal life. That's why John wrote so powerfully in John 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You see, this was the consolation that the godly priest Simeon was waiting for. 
excuse me, do you remember in verse 25, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah, the Lord's Christ, the Lord's Savior. This was the consolation he was waiting for. That word consolation comes from the same root word as we have for the translation of the Holy Spirit in his ministry as the comforter, the guide, the encouragement. What Simeon was waiting for was the comfort and encouragement of the one who would fulfill God's promise to save Israel and all nations from their sin. That's why it says in verse 27, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon was a devout Jew who loved God and who knew God's promises. He knew that he, along with all mankind, was lost in sin and that God had promised to send a Messiah to save them. For years, apparently, he had prayed to God to reveal this Messiah to him, that he might know him. And the Holy Spirit of God came and told him, Simeon, you will not die before your own eyes have seen the promised Messiah that has been promised you from eternity past. Joseph and Mary, in keeping with God's law, had circumcised Jesus when he was eight days old. Now, Mary would have to wait 33 days, according to law, before she would be purified of her birth and be able to come into the temple courts. Jesus was at least 33 days or 41 days. He was a very little boy when he was brought into the temple courts for his dedication. And when Simeon saw that infant, that tiny baby, the Spirit of God said, Simeon, there he is. This is the one, the long-promised Messiah. And Simeon took that infant God in his arms and lifted him up. And he said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And it says the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Perhaps they still had fresh in their minds since a month before the message the angels sang or the message brought by those bewildered shepherds when they met them there in the stable. You remember? The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. 
The whole miracle of the incarnation was part of God's eternal plan, and Jesus knew it well. He knew he was born to die. It was Jesus who unfolded the whole plan to the prophet Isaiah 700 years before he would be incarnated in Bethlehem. It was Jesus who told Isaiah in Isaiah 7:14, "Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we'll call him Emmanuel." It was Jesus who spoke the words to Isaiah when he wrote in Isaiah 9:6, "For to us a child is born, to us a son is given." and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of a government and his peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And it was Jesus who put into the heart of Isaiah the inspiration to write the word about his own death, his own suffering, his own resurrection, and his own glory. Written in the past tense, Isaiah spoke as a done deal, something that would not yet be fulfilled for 700 years. And Jesus told him in Isaiah 53, verse 4, surely he took up our, our suffering and our pain, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him, to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and, he be, and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion with the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Simeon knew this word and for years had prayed, God, show us this one, this one you have promised, who will come forth from God to suffer and die, to bear our sin, to be our Savior, who will rise again and live to intercede for us. And when Simeon held that baby, God said to him, there he is. Jesus always knew he would become a man. Jesus always knew he would live a sinless life. He knew he would suffer and he would die and he would rise again and he would conquer sin, death, and the grave and he would ever live to intercede for you and me. He always knew that. This is why Jesus kept referring to the fact throughout his ministry, my time has not yet come. What time? The time he knew was appointed by God to lay down his life. The time he knew to fulfill God's promises. 
the time to become our salvation. But when it was time, nothing could keep him from the appointed hour. Do you realize today Jesus was in control of all the events leading up to the cross? Jesus was controlling all the events while he hung on the cross. And when the time had come, he declared, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. No one took his life. He laid it down at the exact moment when he knew from eternity past that he must fulfill God's plan. Jesus was born to die. And in that moment, to be the Savior of the world. This is why Jesus said in Mark 10, verse 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to what? Give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of Man came to be that ransom. This is why the Apostle Paul said in Romans 5, verse 6, you see, at just the right time, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's why Peter proclaimed to all the people gathered in Jerusalem at Pentecost, bewildered by the events that had just taken place at the cross, the resurrection, and the coming of the Holy Spirit. He said in Acts 2, verse 22, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. You may have held the hammer. You may have held the nails. It may have been your sin, for sure, that put him on the cross. But God was doing this according to his eternal plan. Jesus was born to die. People, God is sovereign. He has plans when Thanksgiving dinners go bad, when fires erupt and innocent people die, when towns are destroyed, when diseases come and hit. God has a plan. He works in all these things to accomplish his eternal plan. Jesus was born to die. Simeon knew it. This is why he said in verse 29, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, the nations of the world, and the glory of your people, Israel. You see, this is why Joseph and Mary marveled Simeon was piecing together the rest of the story for them. And they marveled at what he said. Shouldn't we? People, has the miracle of the incarnation really impacted us? Or is another Christmas season unfolding with the same routine approach without us stopping to really think what it means that God has become a man? He lived a sinless life. 
He took my sin and your sin and the sin of the world on himself at just the right time to pay for that sin. He was buried in a tomb. Three days later, he rose again victorious. He conquered sin, death, and the grave, and he's alive. He's offering hope, forgiveness, and eternal life to everyone who will believe and receive him. The Apostle John said in John 1, verse 10, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. God has come in human flesh. He went to a cross and died to save us. He was buried and rose again. He's alive. But there's some who don't recognize that. There's some who recognize him, but they don't want him. But those who believe and receive him, they're becoming God's children. They're saved by the one who was born to die. And it's the death of Jesus, the fact that God in human flesh died for our sins that sets us apart from every other approach to God, every other religion, not just the resurrection, the crucifixion. Timothy Keller, in his book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, was telling about John Dixon, who's a pastor who spoke on the theme of God's wounds at a university in Sydney, Australia. At the end of the message, there was a question and answer time, and there was a Muslim man who rose to explain how preposterous was the claim that the creator of the universe should be subjected to the forces of his own creation, that he would have to eat, sleep, and go to the toilet, let alone die on a cross. Dixon said his remarks were intelligent, clear, and civil. The man went on to argue that it was illogical that God, the cause of all causes, could have pain inflicted on him by any lesser beings. When the man finished, Dixon said he thought for a minute, but he couldn't come up with a knockdown argument or a witty response. So he finally simply thanked the man for very clearly and powerfully explaining the hope of every Christian. For Dixon said, what the Muslim denounces as blasphemy, the Christian holds precious. God has wounds. He died for me. And from time to time, Jesus said, I want you to gather at a table. I want you to do it together. I want you to break this bread and eat it, and I want you to remember this is my body. And I want you to drink from a cup, and I want you to remember this cup is my blood that was poured out for you. And every time you eat this, I want you to remember me. I am the long-promised Messiah, the one who was born to die to save the world.
Father, I never get tired of thinking about this in new and fresh ways. I'm reminded of why I owe everything to you. You didn't have to do this, but you did. Your love compelled you. And Jesus, you've known from eternity past that you would one day become a man and give your life this way. And you knew what was needed to save us. There was no one else. Our God has wounds. You died to save us from our sin. As we break this bread and drink this cup today, God, help us to remember in a way that's honoring to you and changes us. And we'll thank you in your precious name. Amen.